Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz trumpeter and composer Pablo Macis. We had a good talk about his 2023 CD, Thought and Memory. In February 2015, he traveled from his home in New York City to Kabul, Afghanistan, as a guest artist with the Afghanistan National Institute of Music for their Winter Academy. On this new fourth recording, it serves as a musical snapshot of those two vastly different cities, both of which have affected him greatly altering and shaping his view of the world. Originally from Cleveland, he spent his childhood years in northern Arizona on the Navajo and Indian Reservation. Before moving to Billings, Montana, there's a lot of geography and a lot of great stories. Enjoy this interview. Hey, good morning. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. I got my coffee. I'm all uh, getting getting the day going here. I love it. Where are you coming out of? Uh, so I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. Right on. My dad was born in Brooklyn a long time ago. Uh, wonderful. wonderful. So I got, I got very loose roots, but I know it's kind of a jazz mecca now. So um, that's... That's a good thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love it here. So, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today for the program. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, before we get into your latest album, and even your trip to Kansas City in September, Mm -hmm. I want to cover COVID. The last three years did quite a thing to the musicians community. How did you survive it? And kind of, how does it feel to have new, new material out and have this opportunity to travel and perform live again? Sure. I mean, when lockdown happened, it's with everyone, I, I lost all my work, kind of went into a uh, survival mode. Um, and it really put a dampening on sort of my personal creative process. I was kind of just practicing just enough to keep my sanity, but didn't uh, the new material uh, came much later. I wasn't really feeling... Like I had much to offer anyone during that time. And as we slowly came out of it, uh, things felt more possible. Then I sort of started to see a little light at some kind of tunnel, perhaps. And it wasn't until mid 2021, end of 2021, I thought, okay, now I, maybe I could do a new thing. Maybe it's time. Seems like we're all sort of coming out of this together. Um, and it was around then when I thought, all right, let's, let's put something together. And the record was that we're going to talk about was recorded in May of 2022. So, um, it kind of felt like in a way it was my coming out of COVID lockdown, scary time, um, to put this project together and, and say like, all right, we're going to, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, this is like, you know, not necessarily back to normal because I don't, I don't know if that phrase is applicable. But I get that. Yeah, back to something approaching pre-COVID. Let's do a record. And um, yeah, and sorry, was there a second part of your question that I? No, no, no. That you you nailed both of them. Okay. So thought thought and memory is the new CD. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what you're hoping the listener gets from this album. Sure. So there's two. Uh, groups of compositions <clears throat> that are on this record. The first group is the first four tracks, and those are all tunes that I have written since living in New York. Uh, and some of them are specifically very uh, indicative of a specific experience I've had living here. And the one that I like to talk about is the tune I wrote called Signal Problems, which um, 
if you've ever been in New York City and you've had to ride the subway, sometimes it does happen where you're on a train and it just doesn't move and they come on the loudspeaker and say, sorry, we're experiencing signal problems. We'll be moving shortly. So there was a specific time where that happened to me and I was getting very frustrated and I started tapping out this uh, pattern and I thought, oh, is that just nervous energy? Oh, no, that could be something. And that eventually turned into the hook for this tune that ended up writing. So the first four tunes are in that same vein, you know, either being around New York or having a specific experience. And then the second group of three tunes, uh, tracks five, six, and seven, are um, three compositions that I started writing when I was traveling to Afghanistan in 2015, several years ago. And that is a more of a snapshot of my experience being there at that time. And then I, when I came back, I turned those ideas into this three movement suite. So it's, I'd say it's very clearly delineated uh, songs that, or compositions that occurred here in New York. And then this three movement suite that grew out of my time in Afghanistan about, what is it? Eight and a half years ago. So why, why were you in Afghanistan? So I was invited uh, in February of 2015 to be a part of the Afghanistan National Institute of Music uh, as a guest instructor for something they called their Winter Academy at the time. And at the time, the the Institute of Music was the only uh, Western-focused music school in the country. And through a series of uh, events, I was offered a chance to go there. And I felt like this is only going to happen once in my life, so I should go. And uh, I spent two weeks teaching trumpet lessons to students there, teaching some other brass classes. I taught some classes on jazz harmony, very introductory, and uh, did a couple of small performances. And it was a, really a life-changing experience for me. Uh, it was only two weeks, but it, it looms larger in my memory now. Yeah, I would imagine so, especially during that time. Um, yeah. So you, you're originally from Cleveland, but you spent some time on an Indian reservation in Arizona, yep. made your way to Montana. You've had an interesting beginning. How did the music and the jazz more specifically become a, car, a part of your nomenclature? So uh, it happened part, mostly when I was uh, later in my high school years. I started to think, what is this jazz thing all about? Um, we didn't really listen to jazz in my house growing up. It was mostly all classical music, um, classical piano music. My family really enjoyed. So it wasn't until I got to high school and I started to hear more jazz in the, in the school band. And then I went off to college as a classical trumpet major. And while I was there, I got exposed to all these other students that were learning jazz and more. It slowly became a little bit more of my vocabulary. Um, but then I went off to grad school in Milwaukee for classical trumpet because I thought that was going to be my path. Uh, and then very specifically, I went and saw two nights of Nicholas Payton at the Jazz Showcase in Chicago. And that was incredible. It's like one of those thunderbolts that sort of uh, comes out of nowhere. And I thought, that is incredible. I, I had a real, like, life moment, you know, in my early 20s. And so I decided to quit my life as a classical musician, and I moved to New Orleans 
Wow. And uh, that was my real, you know, boot camp of uh, really diving headfirst into what jazz is all about and being around that for uh, a couple of years was, again, a, a life-changing experience for me. That's pretty magnanimous. Does Nicholas Payton know about this? <laughs> uh, I have run into him a couple times and said hello, but, you know, it's not something that uh, I've really had a conversation. Specifically, he was also playing at this uh, jazz festival that lasted, I think, one time called the Northern Air Jazz Festival, which was in upper Wisconsin, uh, outdoor festival. And uh, right he was playing, I think, the last uh, set of the night, and I think I went up to him just as on the side of the stage, and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, leaving my classical trumpet, you know." And I sort of laid it out. I you know I was like 20, 21, just kind of, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And uh, he said, "Oh, you should look into New Orleans," you know, just, just you know, was very casual about it, and I really have, have you know fond memories of sort of that gentle push uh, maybe he'll hear this <laughs> you okay. never i mean that would be wonderful yeah that's that's quite that's quite a momentous event to happen to see it and then to meet him and to go where he told you and where he he's had roots so um so i'm curious you know in your journey of finding your voice do you feel like you found your voice? Do you feel like it's an evolution? Where are you, how do you feel that works for you? I feel like it's really been a, a, an evolution and a journey to find some kind of personal expressive voice, both improvisationally and compositionally. Um, I feel like improvisationally I'm constantly trying new things and listening. And I don't feel that that's something that uh, for me personally, I'll ever say, Oh, I've really found, um, you know, this is my voice and this is going to be it. I, I hope that that is something that's con it's moving in different directions. And, and in terms of compositionally, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be very honest. Comp composing is quite tricky for me. It's not something that has really come naturally to me. I, I spend a lot of time just sitting at the piano and fumbling. Um, I don't generally write music at the trumpet. Um, generally I, I try to write it at the piano, but I'm a, I'm not a great pianist and, uh, B, I feel like sometimes it just takes days before you get any sort of at least for me you know any something oh here's a measure oh yeah that, that's it so i feel like i'm trying to always push myself um but it gets really frustrating for me sometimes yeah well day or two of, of uh <laughs> sitting all right i think i'll try tomorrow you know it's uh yeah 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 yeah. Well, let's get to something a little bit more appealing that's not sure. frustrating, which is when you look at your life as a professional musician, all the angles that go into it, from recording to live shows, promoting everything. Mm -hmm. What do you like the best every day about waking up and being a professional musician? I like the community um, because what, what comes with being a musician is uh, 
you're not working in a bubble. Um, you know, music is a collaborative experience, at least for what I do. And, um, I feel like it's the relationships and the community I've made where I've made some incredible friends and connections and to be able to think to myself, Hey, I'd really like to play some music like this. Who? Yeah. I met this guy and he's really great. And we have a really great connection together. So when we get up on the bandstand, I know I can trust this person. Um, and they're going to do an amazing job playing my music or whatever we're doing at the time. Um, and some of those connections I've made have stuck with me for 10, 15, 20 years. And these are people that have remained in my life through all the turns. And that's very special. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could get into a time machine and go back and see a dream gig, any jazz gig anywhere, where are you going? <laughs> oh my gosh. What? Uh, any jazz gig. Man, um, I would love to be able to see Louie play, you know, Hot Five, Hot Seven, something when he was just at the peak of his younger career, uh, just to be able to be in the room and, and see that energy. Um, that's something that comes to mind right away. Of course, there are so many people that being born when I was born I missed so many of the greats um, uh, to see Charlie Parker play in person anywhere at any time in person uh, I mean I'm trying to think if there's a specific band um, to see the mile second quintet play a gig yeah. I mean yeah that would be that would probably be number two, I would say. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So why do you love jazz? Oh, okay. Uh, I love jazz for the, for the freedom. I love jazz uh, for the amount of self-expression that the idiom gives you. And... that even though most compositions have some sort of uh, form or harmonic instruction, um, you can really interpret it in most cases uh, how, how you would like things to sound. And unless you're in the studio, um, it's a unique experience every time you play. You know, go in... To, to follow on your earlier question, you know, going to see Miles' second quintet, you're only going to hear those solos that night unless they recorded the gig. And then you could say, uh, that was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And no one is ever going to hear that specific thing again. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's, yeah, I really, really like that. Yeah. yeah. So Pablo, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, mm -hmm. but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Do you mean uh, musically, like as a as a musician, or do you mean personally? I think it all... Open any question. 
Right. It all kind of arcs together. And I think it's about perception because everyone sees you in a different light. Yeah. There's all these different roles that you play in your life, but ultimately you're in control of the id, ego, superego. So sure. what is that perception of you that you feel like you are and that you are giving to the world? So I would say I perceive myself as someone who is uh, patient and uh, I've had a lot of growth to get there but i feel like as i get into my 40s now things are generally a little bit calmer for me and uh patient and i try to be very aware of um going back to my comments about community and relationships with other musicians and people in my life specifically i try to be very cognizant of how my relationships are affecting other people and how I'm relating to other people and um boy this is a great question um this <laughs> sort of <laughs> yeah but sometimes it it seems as though it should be longer but i think it there there's something about it being succinct i think you i think you hit it i think you hit where you wanted to go <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i appreciate so it. This is what we're going to do next. You're coming to Kansas City. You're on a tour. How did this come about? How does it feel? Have you been to Kansas City? I have, yes. Okay. Um, several years ago, I was living in Omaha. And uh, so I've come to Kansas City in that time as a, as a visitor to sort of see the city. And then um, a couple of years ago, I brought a trio um, right before lockdown. Uh, I went on the road with the trio and we... And we did a show in Kansas City in 2019. But um, how this specifically came about, um, well, with the with the release of my album, <clears throat> I wanted to put put a tour together. And since I have spent time in Omaha, I still have a lot of contacts in <clears throat> in Nebraska and Kansas City and Oklahoma. And I just sort of thought, oh, let me see, is anyone interested? And there was some really positive feedback. And so um, I started reaching out and found enough interested parties that I thought, okay, this could really become a, a, like a real, a real tour. And I'm really lucky that things have really lined up and the band that I'm bringing with me is all available. You know, it's really like a, a puzzle or a Tetris to sort of line everything up, but it, it, it seems to have all come together quite well. Cool. So thought and memory, if anyone wants to pick up the new album, best place to go, your tour, getting tickets, finding out about it, where's the best place, all things related to you. Sure. So my website, pablomasis.net. Uh, I'm on Instagram at P-M-A-S-I-S. Uh, I've got a band camp. You know, I have all the social media stuff that you need to have in this day and age. Uh, specifically tickets for each event. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, link on my website that has my tour itinerary and as each venue has prepared a, a ticket link for, for each show, I've added those to that link. Um, and the record came out this morning. So, uh, you know, this, we're, we're just getting rolling here. Yeah. Just starting <laughs> Pablo. This has been great. Thank you so much for opening up. And I mean, I'm always curious on release days. What do you have any kind of ritual, anything that's special planned for a release day? 
Well, uh, I am going to sit down and listen to the whole record. Um, one track on a different uh, service. One, to hear it again. And two, just to make sure that all the, you know, the, the links that I'm going to be sending to people uh, are good. And uh, I took a bunch of the... I, I also made physical copies in this day and age of streaming. I still have quite a few physical copies so I took one out and opened it up and uh, made sure it worked which is great and besides that just getting the word out you know um, making sure at least people in my family my close friends have an idea of what's going on and everyone seems to be so supportive today so uh, yeah it's really something I'm really looking forward to sharing with right you on. Yeah. Well, happy release day. Thank you for taking a minute out with Neon Jazz today and best of luck and enjoy Kansas City when you get here. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Cleveland, Montana, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Pablo for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.